0: to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. Sasquatch is the topic we will be discussing this season. What an interesting creature. I think it will be very interesting to see where the season takes me. Bigfoot, much like our last focus, uh, is yet another subject where I will be starting at zero and working my way through a lot of the information and the stories for the very first time. However, there is a major distinction regarding this one. I don't care who you are, where you grew up, how you grew up, the concept of UFOs and aliens is kind of inescapable to a certain extent. They are everywhere that you turn in pop culture. It's a topic that you don't necessarily need to have thoroughly researched it to understand the basic idea bigfoot as a staple of pop culture not so much not not as much um i have not had personal experience with it nor have i had any personal close relationships growing up where bigfoot was a topic that came up uh i've not spent any great deal of time thinking about it or or watching the documentaries or reading the literature and in a way i think it's it's going to be both a hindrance and a benefit with ufo's i had at the very least enough influence maybe not information or specific details but influence of them growing up that i was able to have some sense of an opinion long before the season finale that initial opinion being that of course we are not alone in this universe and there's something to these sightings, but I don't know (laughs) what I think or feel about Bigfoot at this early stage. It is sincerely a mystery to me. That said, I am open-minded to the concept and more than willing to learn everything I can about it and share it with you all, of course. There is also uh, something quite different about this season's topic that uh, sets it apart from anything that I have covered on this show before. And that is that this phenomenon of Sasquatch may not be as uh, paranormal as one might think. Uh, I have not had enough time in the early reading to claim this for certain. But from what I am gathering thus far, um, as mysterious as this creature may be, it very well could be a fellow resident of this here physical reality, an animal elusive and rare enough to have remained undiscovered and unrecognized by science at large. That is not to say that scientists are not playing a uh, A part in this investigation, quite the contrary, evidence has been and is currently being collected and analyzed as we speak, and we have an incredible number of scientists, anthropologists, biologists historians um educators and and other just immensely intelligent folks in logically and analytically based fields of study who have been compelled enough by that evidence to study this phenomenon. Stigma be damned. And Lord knows there is plenty of stigma to go around with this one. I will talk about what kinds of evidence that I'm referring to, uh, and then we're going to circle back to that stigma. One of the most compelling pieces of evidence that we have pointing to Bigfoot's existence is the footprint. The Big Footprints, shout out to the book of the same name written by the late Dr. Grover Krantz. That is a name that'll come up again, I am sure. He was very important to this field of study and kind of cool and serendipitous and synchronistic. Used to be a professor at WSU, about a five-minute walk from my house. Small world. Actually, this is kind of funny and ties into the stigma that's associated. I was given a tip not too long ago that WSU hosted a Bigfoot exhibit, and I was so excited (laughs) and filled with, like, childlike glee as I Picked up the phone and 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 dialed the number for the archaeology or anthropology department. I, I don't remember who I called. It was uh, a couple of weeks ago, so it's ringing, and I'm like, "Ooh, I'm gonna go look at some footprint casts and see me some bigfoot doo doo." And and uh, th- this this young fella answered the phone and was like, "Hello, this is such and such at the anthropology department," and blah 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 blah, and I. <laughs> With stars in my eyes, bursting at the seams, was all like, Hey, word on the street is that you guys have a really cool Bigfoot exhibit. I would like to come learn about Bigfoot. How can I make this happen, brah? And the silence that he silenced <laughs> dudes, was intense, so loud. <laughs> I immediately realized he didn't know what the heck I was talking about, but also uh, when his response finally came, he had a tone (laughs) that said to me, (laughs) that made it kind of clear that he thought he might be talking to a crazy person. He was all like, no, (laughs) no. that's that's not really something that we would have here so so no dice there that's okay uh my 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 hopes were dashed my dreams were were burned to the ground that's okay because instead i reached out to dr jeffrey meldrum at idaho state university to ask about coming to see some of his specimens I shall be making that journey to Pocatello in just a couple of weeks. Shout out to Tim and Dana Halloran of the Bigfoot Influencers podcast and book for recommending that I do so. Dr. Meldrum is a very nice, very knowledgeable chap in this field. And he was more than happy to add my visit to his schedule, which is such an honor So cannot wait for that trip and to see these dermal ridges up close and personal and ask him all of my newbie questions. I'm sure he's super stoked about answering the same questions for the millionth time. On that note, if any listeners have any burning question for Dr. Meldrum... Email it to me, paranormgirlpod at com. I'll be sharing all that I learn on that trip and his answers uh, in an upcoming episode. All right, more evidence that I will be exploring in addition to the footprints will include handprints, body prints, butt prints, uh, nesting sites, tree breakage, tree knocking, Hooping and hollering, rock throwing, gifting rocks, hair samples, poop samples. (sighs) If there is anything to all of these aspects of this phenomenon, as circumstantial as they may be, as we still do not have a body or bones, if there is anything to these pieces... I'd have to say that sure is a lot of evidence of some hidden animal out there uh, leaving this trail of crumbs behind. Is there anything to it all? That I don't know yet. I've recently finished Dr. Krantz's book, Bigfoot Prince, and he goes into great detail um, on all of these aspects, makes some really great cases regarding some of it. I am going to have to go back over the information before I share it with you guys, because he also uses a crap ton of, like, arithmetic and measurements and historic discoveries and historic dates. I appreciate his analytical nature when he approached this subject, but, geez, Louise, I'm not a geometrist or a chemist or anthropologist or primatologist, and I have no plans to become one in order to understand this subject. But I will see if I can't break it down in layman's terms for all of us, for all of our sake. Before we move on, We are going to take a moment to spotlight our sponsor for today's show, and then I've also got a promo to play for you from my friends BJ and Mitra over at the Unrefined Podcast. Today I'm here with a sponsor for your bouncing bundle of joy. Nope, not talking about a baby. I'm talking about baby makers. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. Just like babies, your man's delicate little guys have sensitive skin and deserve products that are not only skin-safe, but made with safe ingredients. That's where Manscaped's Platinum Package comes in. From razors to shower care, this package goes above the gold standard for body hair. So treat your beautiful boy to the world's finest toys at Manscaped.com and use the code PNG for 20% off and free shipping. Whether you are Sasquatch or man, it's important to find grooming routines that work for you. Now, Sasquatch, I think, would really appreciate something like Manscaped's Platinum Package because it is a one-stop shop for elite head-to-toe grooming. In this one package, you will find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2 in 1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Ultra Premium Deodorant, Crop Preserver Anti Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, Anti Chafing Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag to house all of these fine items. There is so much included in the Platinum Package that it makes it so easy and efficient to take grooming to the next level. Unlike the usual encounters with the elusive Bigfoot, smelling fresh and feeling smooth from his head to those big feet, now he'll be pretty hard to miss. Manscaped, the Bigfoot researcher's best friend. Who knew? So... Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PNG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PNG. Use the Platinum Package because the gold standard is no longer good enough. Thanks so much to our friends at Manscaped for the support. And now a quick word from our friends BJ and Mitra over at the Unrefined Podcast. Hey, this is BJ. And this is Mitra. And we're from the Unrefined Podcast. Do you like ghost stories, urban legends, spooky tales that will chill your spine? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? I'm just getting into it, okay? Just a little bit. But seriously, if you want to hear us talk about all things that are unexplained, but with a good sense of humor, then tune into Unrefined, your favorite paranormal podcast. New episodes out every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to subscribe to get the latest episodes of Unrefined right to your device. Before I get to talking about the stigma, uh, just real quick, I wanted to uh, share some of the resources that I'm going to be using here at the start. In addition to Dr. Krantz's book, um, I've also got the Bigfoot influencers, uh, but of course, Bigfoot, the history and legacy of America's most controversial cryptid, volume two of the Bigfoot Report by Tom Lyons. And uh, th- those are all uh, e-copies that I grabbed. I also picked up hard copies of Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum's book, uh, Sasquatch Legend Meets Science. I've got The Beast of Boggy Creek by Lyle Blackburn. Um, Where Bigfoot Walks by Robert Pyle. And oh, this is really cool. Um, everything that you-need-to-know guide to finding Bigfoot, the show, <laughs> and the crew, and and their thoughts, and, and their evidence. Uh, also, I started watching the show. You guys, so good! Anyway, um, it, it seems like a lot. Uh, there will be even more added to the pile as we make our way through the season. Thank you to my awesome patrons uh, for supporting the show and making it possible for me to get all of these materials. Uh, Y'all are freaking rad, man. Speaking of which, shout out to my newest patron, lucky 7 Nico. recently joined my researcher tier. He's been listening for a few months now and says he's really into cryptids and looking forward to the new season. Uh, To my patrons, I offer a shout out to, of their social media of choice, uh, their profile of choice or a special message to anyone that they would like to say something to, and lucky seven Nico uh, wanted me to shout it out to Jim Harold for helping him find this show. So thank you so much, Mr. Harold, and way way cool, Nico, welcome aboard, and I thank you so much. you your support means so much to me. All right. Now, let's talk stigma. I thought the stigma with UFOs was going to be bad. And it is. But lessening more and more these days as we uh, collectively continue to include it in our realm of possibility. We may not know exactly what it is, but we are coming to terms in general as a species with its reality. Sasquatch is another matter entirely, and I honestly do not get the high level of skepticism here because, as you may have heard if you're into this subject, if you've listened to any other podcast about it, you may have come across this, but there are literal animals that we fully accept as real today that once upon a time were thought to be mythological beasts, and people were nuts for believing them to be real. A monstrous beast with the head of a fox, the hands of a man, the tail of a monkey, and a bag to carry its young was how Amerigo Vespucci described the kangaroo in 1499. Early explorers came back describing man-eating monsters, strong, powerful, with a wild roar. While this creature had been known to native Africans for centuries, it would not be officially recognized as real by the scientific community until the mid 1800s. The first non African scientifically recorded observation of a gorilla was made by Thomas Savage and Jeffries Wyman in 1847, who brought back some bones and skin that they had found and came back to the States describing a new species of ape. The same one that had been known and described, again, for centuries by those who had seen and encountered them. Hmm. The Gezu is a tree-dwelling marsupial in western Papua New Guinea, truly thought to be simply a figment of the locals' mythology. It wouldn't become real until the 1980s, when an Australian scientist snapped a photo of one. The Saola, or the Asian unicorn, is a strange little concoction. It's something between a very pretty cow and the mythological creature Pan. This one was discovered in 1992. We had no idea it existed until someone came across this funky-looking skull hidden inside of a hunter's cabin. Before that, Had no idea such a creature existed. And something of note, even though we know this animal exists now, scientists have documented it in the wild only four times since the date of its discovery. Since 1992. Rare, elusive, enigmatic, but still reproducing, obviously. Still kicking. And tales of tentacled sea monsters had been common among mariners since forever. The first scientifically documented existence of the giant squid took place in 1873 when pieces of one were found in the stomach of a sperm whale. But it wouldn't be until 2004 when the first images of a live one were captured. The list of what once was mythical turned. Oh, just kidding! They're all actually real, and and we totally knew that all along because, duh. Uh, this list is it's a long one, and uh, this is just a sampling, um, to show you. But but yeah, you know what I noticed about this handful, even though they may have had centuries. Of encounter stories backing their existence, these animals weren't officially recognized until later because they were either in locations that Western scientists and explorers didn't or couldn't often go to, or the creature itself is rare and elusive. Hmm. Now, understanding that what once was fiction. Would come to be fact, should also make us question whether we might yet discover what we now think of as fiction to be fact. Rare, elusive, hard to reach, but conceivable. Once upon a time, it was very imaginative to think that some giant monkey monster was chilling in the African forests. Today, if you walked around talking about how gorillas are not real and it's all big gorilla pushing the gorilla agenda, we would rightly think you were a nutcase. Um, it, it just weird to see that kind of paradigm shift um, in such recent history. It's weird to me. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Native Americans have been talking about this creature for centuries. Numerous tribes have some description or legend about this creature. Okay. In the modern day, we have thousands of reported encounters and sightings of something that sounds eerily similar to the being described in the legends and the lore. What's more, we have evidence of its existence. There are some pretty interesting exclusive details contained within those pieces of evidence that are pretty hard to explain. Details that the general public is most likely not familiar with. And we'll be diving much deeper on those details uh, later in the season. Now, what is bothersome to me? with the uh, skeptical take on this subject, and I I have to assume uh, is bothersome to those who work so closely with it and have dedicated their lives to the study of it and spend so much time looking very closely at these pieces of evidence, is this. The skeptics of this subject are not taking all of it, the composite of, of the picture that is being painted here, Into consideration when they proclaim their judgment. It's giving outright refusal to look at the evidence because the cognitive dissonance would be too much vibes. Why are they so quick and comfortable laying down their judgment without looking at all of the facts? Because we do not have a live capture, we do not have fossils, we do not have bones. Okay, let's. Just for a second, we'll, we'll take a look at these. Um, I'm sure I will elaborate as we get deeper into the information. So don't have a live capture. Again, if we're dealing with an incredibly elusive, rare, hard-to-access animal, that's an incredibly unlikely scenario. We didn't have a live capture of a giant squid until we did 20 years ago. <laughs> Only 20 years ago. Well, there's no fossils then. We would have found fossils. If you are not taking into consideration that the Sasquatch might be Gigantopithecus, which we have found fossils of, and, and we'll, we'll talk about all of that. Um, no, we haven't. And we, we probably won't. Do you know the incredibly perfect conditions that have to occur in order for a fossil to form? Not only. Does a fossil require certain conditions? But there are specifically like anti-fossil-like conditions that make it nearly impossible for one to form in certain locations, such as the Pacific Northwest. And uh, this was from uh, Dr. Meldrum's book, uh, Sasquatch Legend Meets Science. He says, thanks to our abundance of moist coniferous forests, and volcanic soils, the acidity of the soil is not conducive to the preservation of bone. Understanding that precise process that has to take place and the soil conditions in forested areas that might even work to prevent a fossil from forming, I'm shocked that we have even found any. Ever. (laughs) Not to mention, even... In areas very conducive to fossil formation, uh, they are in themselves hard to find due to rarity. The Tyrannosaurus rex, one of the most famous and well-studied dinosaurs. Recent calculations suggest that 1.7 billion lived on Earth between 65 and 68 million years ago, you want to take a guess as to how many T Rex fossils have been identified and documented? Doo dee doo doo. I'll just tell you, less than a hundred. That should be more than telling when considering why we wouldn't just be tripping over Bigfoot fossils. Okay, not fossils then. Bones, a decomposing body. This is where supporters and skeptics really start to get tangled in their arguments. And to be completely fair and logical here, it is a fact that is hard to argue. We have bones and bodies of all these other forest-dwelling critters. We stumble across them. We have them on display at museums. We have physical proof in hand. And as hard as it may or may not be to get our hands on these deceased critters, We know we can. Also, in all this time, especially in this day and age of fancy newfangled technology and night vision and drones, we can't find just one body? With as many run ins as are reported, with these fully alive creatures, we can't stumble across just one little old carcass in the woods? Very fair. Absolutely hard to argue with this logic. Now, On the flip side of this, there are numerous reasons why finding the bones or a body of Bigfoot would actually be incredibly unlikely. To understand the unlikelihood, we need to accept a couple of assumptions about this creature made by the educated conclusions of folks much smarter than myself. We are going to assume that this creature is in fact a mammal. It is a primate. It is a very large primate and has no real natural predator. The grizzly would probably give it a run for its money, but the Bigfoot in itself is an apex predator. So what does the death scenario look like for a creature like this? We're looking at a natural death, a slow as opposed to immediate and violent death where they would have no choice in the matter of where they took their final breath. Um, I'm going to try to relay (laughs) this next bit of information. Most of it came from Dr. Krantz's book. um, But uh, yeah. All right. So here we go. So if we are talking about a delayed death, we are talking about old age, starving, or sickness. And In these cases, any animal is going to choose a place to curl up and hide as they try to recuperate while they are in this vulnerable state. They do not just lay down in the open and expire if they have a choice. Okay, so they have died, tucked away somewhere. They quickly become bones, picked clean by opportunists of the forest. Whatever is left is either uh, carried away or maybe consumed by animals like the porcupine or the forest floor will grow over them, completely enveloping as the bones deteriorate and become absorbed by the soil over the course of like a few years. And this is how it often plays out for the carnivore carcass. That is why people don't often stumble across a carnivore body in particular, unless there was human involvement in that death or, or if it was a sudden death. Otherwise, it is rare to just stumble upon remains of a bear or a cougar in the wild. And in his book, Dr. Krantz said that as of writing it, after decades of having studied the phenomenon, he had yet to meet someone who had found the remains of a bear that hadn't been killed by human activity. That's crazy. After decades. So, beating a dead horse here. Pardon the pun. But this deducing really starts to make sense so long as we understand Bigfoot is rare. Because then we would compare A very low number of remains discovered to the population of a species like the black bear. It currently sits between 25,000 to 30,000 in the state of Washington, up to 30,000 of these creatures, and yet we rarely find their bodies. 30,000 is a lot, especially considering that this is not a number that is evenly spread across the entire state. This large number is condensed to their habitats, the forested areas. Now, if we compare the number of Sasquatch footprints found compared to bear prints, Krantz suggested that we'd be looking at like one Sasquatch for every 100 bears. And he further stated that if we're considering the Sasquatch is a primate, It's outliving the average black bear by at least a decade, and at most, uh, three decades, up to three decades. So the bear is dying more frequently than the Bigfoot. And yet, one more time, for the last time, I promise, we rarely stumble across their remains. I hope this was enough. (laughs) <laughs> to make my point and and enough to just make you guys understand um just why the bear argument is so important uh, and it's 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 an argument that the skeptical side hates they don't like it it doesn't make any sense to them, and it's just oh, so convenient, and yet, if we are talking about uh, a low population of an apex predator out in the wild as convenient. As it may seem as to why we haven't found one, it actually does start to make a lot of sense as to why we haven't found one. And not to mention, not everyone tromping around in the deep forest uh, is keeping their eyes peeled for a pile of Bigfoot bones to begin with. Would an average camper or explorer who isn't really looking for one, who just randomly stumbles across one, uh, even know? what they were looking at? I wouldn't. And another reason why the skeptical side gets very passionate at times about proclaiming this phenomenon to be total bunk is due to the stranger side of some Bigfoot reports. Really strange stuff. Really fringe stuff. We're talking glowing orbs, telepathy, UFOs, uh, interdimensional wormhole jumping and the like, and I'm understanding of this being some folks' go-to explanation as to why we haven't found one. They are trying to come to terms with this mystery in a context that they can grasp. I get that, and y'all know I I'm into it. I'm down, but this is where my analytical side is really going to come into play. Because there is more than enough physical evidence that provides an explanation for a physical creature that gives real answers to a physical mystery. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But at this early stage, I feel since we have more than enough information already to choose from, I am going to start there. If credible analytical logic-based scientists and researchers are compelled enough by this evidence to study this phenomenon as a physical phenomenon, as mysterious as it is, I want to know what compels them so. And it is not just the skeptical side that thinks the paranormal connection is weird. Serious Bigfoot researchers also think it's weird. From what I can tell, uh, a lot of them do not want to be associated with that side of it. They are sincerely gunning to be taken seriously with their research, and they want this field to be taken seriously by science. I was actually very surprised at the dividing line in the ranks of the Bigfoot world. I thought initially that there was going to be a lot more crossover. There isn't. (laughs) Two very distinct camps with this one. So, um, That should be really interesting to uh, reach that part of our investigation here. And I'm as open-minded to other possibilities as I ever can be, just letting you guys know now at the start that I am going to be considering the plethora of evidence uh, available to me first. Okay, so other aspects of the Bigfoot phenomenon that I am planning to explore this season are uh, Native American legends and lore. I also would really like to get into just the general history of the subject. Uh, We're going to take a look at Bigfoot and its brethren around the world, uh, how it's possible for Bigfoot to even be here in the States. The Patterson-Gimlin film Of course, uh, just so much to talk about this season, so much, which reminds me, Sasquatch is such a huge topic, y'all. My intention for this season was to investigate Bigfoot, but also cryptids in general. That was before I realized what a monstrous feat (laughs) that that was going to be. Uh, I prefer to go into depth, deep depth about everything that I talk about on the show. And that being the case, I needed to narrow the focus down just a little bit, just to Sasquatch. That being said, while all of my solo deep dives will primarily focus on that, I have some really great guests um, arranged for this season who will be joining me to discuss all sorts of other cryptids, well-known and lesser known. that'll that'll be a real treat. I'm very much looking forward to that. With that, let's go ahead and wrap up our intro to the subject. Thank you guys for joining me for the latest chapter of the Paranorm Girl saga. Uh, Should be a really interesting and fun season. All right, all for now, stick around for a final note. For 33 years, Peter Rona has pursued an ancient, elusive animal. He and his team have gathered enough evidence to prove physical size and possible shape of his scientific prey. This creature is understood even better thanks to its ancestors that go back to the dawn of complex life. Rona's animal was actually believed to have gone extinct some 50 million years ago. But he has more than enough evidence pointing to the creature's current existence and works diligently, passionately, to find one. And when asked if his decades-long pursuit has frustrated him, he is quoted as saying, No. It's science. It's detective work. It's about racking up one clue after another. Because this creature he is speaking of has never been seen, but is indeed considered very real, based on its ancestral links and an imprint it leaves behind in the soil. I am talking about an animal called a Paleodiction nodosum. This thing is thought to be a living creature that produces incredibly intricate burrow systems on the ocean floor. It's thought to be some form of a worm. It's thought its burrow's construction functions as a food net of sorts. But all of these theories and thoughts about this animal are widely debated. Scientists have run many tests on the burrows, including searching for markers of DNA, and yet are unable to reach a single conclusion about the form that Paleodiction notosum takes. But they keep trying, and looking, and testing, and diving even deeper in hopes of finally making this discovery. Because one thing none of them have any trouble agreeing on is that there is more than enough evidence suggesting that these burrows are caused by this creature. Something is making the burrows. Something is leaving the imprints. Much like the Bigfoot, P. notosum, is rare, elusive, and hard to reach. It has historical anthropological precedence. It leaves behind compelling clues. And yet, this hidden animal is considered real, whereas Bigfoot is considered impossible. And if you think... Well, yeah, it's a worm, the smallest of all creatures, hidden in the depths of the ocean, compared to some giant humanoid monster hiding out in the woods, apples and oranges. I guess I just don't get the difference or why the size difference matters. There is an estimated million classified species in the world. And scientists estimate there are still around 5 million left to be discovered. We are discovering new species all of the time. And it's not just small ones. A marsupial tree dweller just back in the 80s. A jungle cow unicorn in 92. A giant squid 20 years ago with so many species left to be discovered. Are there really folks out there who believe there are no more large animals to be found? Especially ones low in number, who perhaps don't want to be found, residing in areas of our world that are hard for humans to explore. Well, I think it possible. In fact, I think it's probable there is still so much of our world that remains unexplored, undiscovered. Just imagine what we will come to know with enough time, effort, and access. Stay up to date with my progress this season and be notified whenever a new episode is released by following the show on any or all of the socials at Paranorm Girl Pod, I invite you all to reach out anytime with your thoughts and suggestions at ParanormGirlPod at gmail.com. And if you are already a fan of the show and looking for ways to support what I do over here, think about becoming a patron this season. You can get in for as little as a dollar and enjoy early access to video episodes and some of my backstage guest chats. Or you can join any of the other patron levels up to my $10 tier and enjoy early access, all backstage guest chats, your choice of PGP merch, exclusive check-in videos. I recently just added that perk. The choice is yours and all are welcome. Join me next week for the first guest of the season. I got to sit down with the creator of the Tombstone Wild West Paracon Mr. Bruce Burnett. We had a really really fun conversation and I am thrilled to be able to share it with y'all. Catch that one Tuesday. Have a great rest of your week chaps. I'll see y'all next time. For now and until then, stay safe Keep the nightlight on and sleep with one eye open.